This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. Subway to Shea podcast, Anthony Rivera, here with you, talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Subway to Shea. Listen and subscribe to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Breaker. Turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. Please take a few minutes to write me a review and let me know what you think of the show, what you like what you don't like. You could do that by going on Apple Podcasts and leaving a one to five star rating, hopefully if it's five stars that you're giving me, and then you go in the comments section and leave a little review. I got a review here from your fans at Almost Coop, which I am assuming that is the podcast Almost Cooperstown, good friends of the show, says for Met diehards, Anthony Rivera does a great job every week which is impressive, we should know since we host our own baseball podcast and putting out quality weekly content is not as easy as he makes it seem. Let's go Mets. Well, almost Cooperstown, it's also not easy for me too. I mean, it may sound easy once everything's edited and put down, But both of us, both of us, it's never easy putting together one of these podcasts. It's a lot of work, but I enjoy doing it and I enjoy getting it out to you guys and all the Met fans that listen to the show. If you are a new listener to this podcast, thanks for joining us. And if you've been a supporter this whole time, I can't thank you enough. We've gone up to 6,000 total listens for the year to end 2021. That's simply amazing to steal a phrase. Make sure to follow my work for Rising Apple. Rising Apple is a New York Mets site on the fan side and network. You can read my articles by going to risingapple.com. Usually I leave the links to the articles in the description of every week's podcast episode. I haven't written in a while, but I should be having one up soon. It's been a crazy, crazy holiday season, so I haven't gotten right as much. Make sure to follow Rising Apple on Twitter at Rising Apple Blog and the Fan Sided Network at Fan Sided. Now, before we start the show, I wanted to thank last week's guest, Pat Ragazzo, for joining in. He's the Mets beat reporter for Sports Illustrated and really helped break down the hiring of Buck Showalter and what we can expect next from the Kings of Queens. Make sure to check out his work for Sports Illustrated, as well as on all his social media, at Regazzo Report. He's a great follow, and I really suggest you checking out his work. Now let's get on with this week's podcast. And first and foremost, Happy New Year, Met fans. Happy New Year to all the Met fans in the world and to all the Subway Shea listeners I hope you enjoyed the holiday season. I was thinking whether I should put a show out before New Year's or after New Year's. I saw a lot of other Mets podcasts out right before the New Year's, so I decided let me do one after the New Year's. So you're getting this 
as the first podcast of 2022. And let's start off this week's episode talking about Jeff McNeil. Now, should the Mets trade Jeff McNeil? And let's take a look at his career stats because he's going to be a lot of talking going on in the offseason once everything, I assume, gets back up and running now that we're in this lockout. So this past season was a rough one for Jeff McNeil, probably his worst of his career, batted 251 with seven home runs and 35 RBIs, three stolen bases, an on-base percentage of 319, a slugging percentage of 360, a 679 OPS, and an OPS plus of 88. His war was 1.4. And this is a guy who had a career war of 11.2. His career numbers, 37 home runs, a 299 batting average, 152 RBIs, 364 on-base percentage, 459 slugging, OPS 824, and OPS plus of 124. That's throughout his career and you can see that obviously this season was his worst a little over 60 point drop in his batting average I know a lot of people don't really you know consider batting average but I'm not going to let go of that stat I grew up with that stat and that's something that I'm going to talk about in my shows every time I'm not opposed to talking about the other stats but there's a, a big learning curve for me in learning more about you know what is being considered here but Jeff McNeil looking at his stats batted 329 in 2018 and that was only in 63 games his first full season in 133 games in 2019 batted 318 with 23 home runs and 75 RBIs he was an all-star. Now you go to 2020, which was a shortened season. He struggled off the bat trying to hit for more power, but then he really got back into his groove, batted 311. And then last year, obviously, the big struggle. I think there was a lot that had to do with it. Injuries, you know, um, just the mental focus for him. You know, he's always very vocal on the field. And, you know, there's a lot of things we're going to get into to discuss about Jeff McNeil. And we've talked about this at the end of the season that Jeff McNeil, Dom Smith, and J.D. Davis would all be talked about as possible trade chips, right? And it looks like Jeff McNeil is garnering the most interest, and as well as he should be. Look at the stats that we talked about. Look at, besides the 2021 season, he's been a pretty solid player. Now, for me, I would personally hold on to him as I think he has the most upside of the three. If you're going to trade Jeff McNeil, trade him while his value is high. Right now, it's kind of low. It could be a huge mistake. And here's a warning sign. Even though he had a terrible year last year, teams are looking into him and they believe that he will have a bounce back year. The Mets should definitely be thinking about this and they should consider this. The Mets should also think that he's gonna have a bounce back year. There's a lot to consider. What he brings to the table as a player, one thing to consider. He's versatile. He can play multiple positions, second base, third base, outfield. He's never really gotten the opportunity to focus on one position and maybe that's a good thing. A lot of teams like that versatility, a lot of teams like that utility player. Thing is, can he be competent on the field? We saw all the improvements from Brandon Nimmo in center field, Pete Alonso in first base. I talked about it all season how I thought that he should have been a gold glove winner at first base. He did so well. And even Dom Smith, to a certain extent, played way better in left field than I had projected in the beginning of the season. And I know that a lot of you projected in the beginning of the season. It wasn't great, but it was way better than we thought. Now, when we got into spring training last year, I thought he would be 
great at second base, but he struggled to get comfortable. Especially with Francisco Lindor being the shortstop, the team struggled up the middle. We saw so many confusion plays. Like, they they were very confused. And then it, the whole rat raccoon issue came out, and that seemed to be a problem. Is there still a problem with Francisco Lindor? Or has that passed them? We know it was brought up by Mike Puma in an article at the end of the season, but is there still an issue going on with them? We did find out that he also was reluctant to shift, and that added to him being moved into the outfield. Now, his attitude, could it be a big issue? We've heard that he's fallen out of favor with some of his own teammates, but if there's anyone who can, I don't want to say fix this, but if there's anyone that can steer him in the right direction, it's the new manager of the New York Mets, Buck Showalter. Maybe Buck can get him more focused and, and bring him into a more positive direction. Because as we saw, he fell out of favor. Even with Louis Rojas, who was the quote-unquote player's manager. And once they traded for Javi Baez, he was moved to the outfield. And let's not forget, the only reason he got an opportunity to play at second base was because Robinson Cano got suspended. What happens now if he returns to the team? What happens when Robinson Cano returns to the Mets? And that leads into the next part. This is important. It's, it's all connected here because I know nobody really wants to see Robinson Cano play in the field, especially second base. He's getting up there in age. He's gotten a lot slower. He's never been really that defensive wizard. But what they can put Robinson Cano is at DH. Will the DH come along in the 2022 season? Now we have this whole lockout going on, and I'm pretty sure that's going to be an issue once we get into negotiations. Does the National League get the DH? And if so, you could probably put Robinson Cano there and have... Jeff McNeil play second base. Now let's talk about what the Mets could get in return for Jeff McNeil. Obviously, there's a couple of teams that we've all had our eyes on. And those two teams, the Cincinnati Reds and the Oakland Athletics, what could the Mets get from Cincinnati? Well, the big name talked about is always Luis Castillo. It's been talked about for a while. Could he be a possibility? You add him to the starting rota rotation behind Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer, then you have Luis Castillo, and then you'll have Taiwan Walker and probably Carlos Carrasco. Or could the Mets go a lesser route and, and bring Sonny Gray back to New York? Now, I know he did not have the best, actually, he had one of the worst seasons with the Yankees, but could coming to the Mets change things, a more pitcher-friendly park instead of that bandbox in the Bronx? Also, a lot of eyes are on the Oakland Athletics. Chris Bassett, Sean Manea, Frankie Montez, even Matt Chapman, the third baseman. Those names have been kind of put up there on the trade block. Could that interest the Mets? Now, I'm always hesitant to trade a possible everyday player for a pitcher that comes in every fifth day. But I will definitely listen to the package. Like I said, I don't want to trade Jeff McNeil at this moment in time, but I'm going to listen. For sure. And if the right package comes around, you got to strike, right? I know I've said this at the end of the season, and that was that there are going to be moves that fans are not going to like. There are going to be fan favorite players that are going to move on from this team. Jeff McNeil could be one of them. I know people to a lesser extent are not as fan favorite of the Dom Smiths and the J.D. Davis of the world. I actually like Dom Smith. J.D. Davis would be the one that I would consider trading the most. But even if they kept all three of them, that's quite the bench, no? The Mets do need a bench. Look at what happened last year when they had a bench. 
The bench mob. Could those three, if they're not traded, could those three handle coming off the bench? I hope so. Now, with one of these trades, I don't think Jeff McNeil will get this deal done alone. Obviously, he's going to have to headline a package with probably one of their prospects. But if that's the case, you're going to have to give me one of the top rotation pieces because what I've said before is that I want David Peterson and I want Tyler McGill starting the year in AAA. They need seasoning, and they need to be that depth. Because we don't know what's going to happen with Jacob deGrom. Is he 100% healthy? Max Scherzer, he's getting up there in age. How much will they tax his arm? Then you go to the rest of the rotation right now, and Taiwan Walker coming off his really first full season pitching. And then you have Carlos Carrasco coming off a surgery and a disappointing 2021. There's a lot more questions than you think going into this rotation. But we'll see what happens. Like I said, to me, I would hold on to Jeff McNeil. I want to see him return to form because his bat, when it's hot, it's important. It's important to the whole construct of the lineup. And the Mets can use his bat in the lineup. Going along with Brandon Nimmo, going along with Starling Marte, Pete Alonso, Lindor. You see, the big struggle for the Mets in 2021 was their offense. They had weird years from Francisco Lindor, from Michael Conforto, from obviously Jeff McNeil. If those guys even did half of what they were projected to do, the offense would have been a lot better. But look at Francisco Lindor struggled through most of the year, started to get hot, got hurt, had to come back, had the strong September. Michael Conforto struggled all year and then lit it up in September. Jeff McNeil can never get it going. I, I feel like this is, was an outlier year for those guys. I don't know how it affects J.D. Davis or Dom Smith. We haven't seen enough from them to really make a decision on if those guys should be in the everyday lineup. But we've seen enough from Jeff McNeil. We saw enough from Michael Conforto. We've seen a lot from Francisco Lindor. Those guys should have been hitting well. But they also suffered injuries all season. And we got a lot of the bench mob. And then the pitching fell apart at the end. A lot of things happened. But hopefully, hopefully, this season, the 2022 season, is where everything changes. Especially for the better. You can only go into this season with the highest amount of optimism. Look at what they've done so far. They had the big, was it Black Friday signings, where they brought in Mark Canna, Eduardo Escobar, Starling Marte, and then they bring in the big gun, Max Scherzer. And then they make the hiring move for manager that was a layup, bringing in a well-known manager, bringing in a guy who's been a part of the game forever, Buck Showalter. You could not have gotten that wrong. We'll see how it all turns out. But right now, today, you should be positive. You should be ecstatic of where this team is going right now. Now, it's all good and well said on paper. Everything changes once they get on the field. But today is a positive day to be a Mets fan. The Mets also made some strategic moves over the last couple of days. Ben Zosmer was promoted to assistant general manager. He was previously their director of baseball analytics, and he worked for the Dodgers for six seasons before coming to the Mets. He's going to join Ian Levin and Bryn Alderson as the third assistant GM on the team. The Mets continue to improve the analytical team under the Cohen regime. You know, Cohen really wanted an emphasis on analytics, something that the Wilpons couldn't do. They basically had a skeleton crew 
and we're behind the eight ball on a lot of issues. Now, I'm not saying that analytics is everything. Obviously, there's a feel to the game as well, but it is important for the Mets to get with the times, and it seems like the team is finally doing that under Steve Cohen, and also along with Billy Epler and Sandy Alderson, the team seems to be in a lot better place than it was four or five years ago, when all these other teams like the Astros and the Tampa Bay Rays and the Dodgers and the Yankees all were way, way, way ahead of the Mets at the time. So the Mets seem to be going down a good path. Now, supposedly, the Mets will sign Elian Soto during the next international free agent period. You heard the last name Soto, so you know where I'm going with this. Juan Soto's younger brother. And I say this is strategic because maybe not only are the Mets trying to catch lightning in a bottle with Juan Soto's brother, who we all know Juan Soto is a superstar. Maybe Elian also can be a star. But maybe this is a way to entice Juan to sign with the Mets when he becomes a free agent. He would be great for that outfield. And his bat, I mean, we all know how great of a hitter Juan Soto is. To get him on the Mets, that would be amazing. And recently, Elian Soto posted a video of himself working out in Mets gear. So a lot of the talk is now that he is going to sign with the Mets. And hopefully, he gets that fast track like his brother coming up to the major leagues. My final thoughts before this train leaves this station, I know it's a little shorter episode than uh, I would like because there's really not much going on, especially with the lockout. There's not much to talk about after, you know, the Mets brought in Buck Showalter. Can't do anything, can't make any moves, but I'm going to try my best every week to give you a... Very, very well thought out and well done podcast. But before this train leaves the station, I participated in a Mets all-time draft. I don't know if you saw it. I put the link on my Twitter. I put the link on my Instagram. You can still check out the video. You can catch it on Mets Weekly, their YouTube page. You can catch it there. I'm going to put a link in the description like I do with my articles and any other appearances that I make. You'll get to check that out. But we did a little Mets all-time draft. It was a lot of fun. About like 10 people were a part of it. Uh, Things changed as the show went on. But I had the second overall pick, which is very tough. I gotta say, because if you're going with the first overall pick, obviously you draft Tom Seaver, right? He's the guy. He is Mr. Met. You know, he's the franchise. Can't go anywhere else getting the number one pick, but I got the number two pick. And that's where everything, you know, it it takes a little thought process going through because the whole thing with this all-time draft is how the players did as New York Mets. And there was many ways to go. Should I have gone Mike Piazza? He had a good start to his career as a Met and then kind of, you know, tailed off. But a Hall of Famer and my all-time favorite player, you have to think about going with Mike Piazza, right? He's the only other New York Met in the Hall of Fame as a New York Met, him and Seaver. Or do you go with David Wright, the all-time leader in like hits and he holds a lot of Mets stats, and and he was a lifer for the Mets. You go David Wright. Well, I went with Jacob deGrom, and I know he's not had the long career, but if you think about Jacob deGrom and his Mets career, besides the 2016 season where he got hurt, he's been pretty dominant 
right? And then you factor in last season, right? The start he had in 2021 and how he was compared to guys like Bob Gibson, a season that we haven't seen since the year of the pitcher. You have to go with Jacob deGrom. So that was my pick in the draft. And then you break down all these good players, and here's how my rotation went. Jacob deGrom, Bob Ojeda, Rick Reed, Masato Yoshi, and Glendon Rush, right? That's my rotation. You can see I took a lot from when I first started watching the Mets. With 10 people, a lot of the good players go off the bat, but I think I got a good rotation here. My bullpen consisted of Aaron Loop. How could you not take him? Even though he was in one season, it was one of the best seasons a reliever has ever had. Definitely has a met. Then my closers, Tug McGraw and Roger McDowell. I put Pat Mahomes in the bullpen. I also got David Weathers. If you remember him, he was in the dollar bin, and I thought he, he had a really good Met career as a reliever. And then I took Erasmo Ramirez. Even after that shortened season, he pitched pretty well in the bullpen. Thought that was a nice little long man to throw in there. First base, you got to go with John Olerud, and that's who I picked. Uh, loved John Olerud, one of the most underrated players in baseball. Had a great Met career. Second base, Edgardo Alfonso. Shortstop, Ray Ordonez. And I got so close to having the entire best infield in baseball, but someone took Robin Ventura. So then I went with Todd Zeal at third. My outfield consisted of Cleon Jones, Mookie Wilson, Lance Johnson, Moises Alou, and Fernando Tatis. And then for the bench, Marlon Anderson, Joe McEwing, Ty Wigington. At catcher, picked Todd Hundley and Ramon Castro. And then my DH, Eddie Murray. I mean, he had, for the two seasons that he was with the Mets, he had a pretty good run on the worst team money can buy. So that was my team. Let me know what your thoughts are on that, on that team that I put together. You can watch the video and see how every other team broke down, but I really think that I put together a really good team. It was a really fun thing to participate in, and I really enjoyed that. Maybe I'll do something like that in the future with you Subway to Shea listeners and more Med fans out there. Maybe we could do something fun like that, and uh, it, it'd be a lot of fun doing it with all you guys, and I, I really enjoyed it, and um, I hope if you get to watch it, you can enjoy that too. Now, before we wrap up the show, please take a few minutes to write me a review. Let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. I want to make this show better each and every week for you Met fans, so by going on Apple Podcasts, leaving me one to five star rating, hopefully it's a five star, and leaving comments in the review section, like almost Cooperstown did, you can help me make this show better each and every week. Now follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Subway to Shea. Listen and subscribe to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Breaker. Turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. Also, I'm a contributor for Rising Apple, a New York Mets site on the fan-sided network. You can check out my articles for Rising Apple at risingapple.com. When I do write articles, I'll also leave them in the description. I don't have one right now, but I will in the future. Make sure to follow Rising Apple on Twitter at Rising Apple Blog. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I appreciate you all so very much. 6,000 total listens this year. Amazing. I can't tell you how much I love Love all of you for helping me to put out these podcasts each and every week. You're just as much as help as me putting them together because every time I see someone listening, it just gives me more confidence and more appreciation for the process that I do of putting this together. So I'm really thankful and I'm happy that you guys get to enjoy this each and every week. Once again, Happy New Year. Let's go into 2022 on a positive note. We're coming into this year thinking 
that this team finally will win a World Series. You can only go every year into thinking your team will win a World Series, but especially this year. The Mets have done a lot of work. They still got a lot more work to do, but hopefully we get to end the year with a champagne toast, and I got the, I guess it's the Mets wine. Hopefully I get to pop that open this year. I'm not going to pop it open until we win one, and hopefully that is this year. Well, that will do it for this week's podcast. Always remember to listen, subscribe, share, and review. For Anthony Rivera, you've been listening to Subway to Shea. Let's go Mets.